0: This is PBE Daily, Early Morning, Saturday Night Podcast. My name is Point Blank Thank you for taking the time to listen to yet another episode. I hadn't posted a couple in a few days because, well, ideas had to be curated and B, work had to be created. The first week of work went well. I got to get some of the shots that I wanted to animate in the office. That were, I had this, There's this thing I used to like to do where if something looks way too problematic for me to handle, I put it aside and then I come back and revisit it later. I think i mentioned that before. And this time when i was in the office for the first week the energy in the room was perfect the energy in the space was perfect and by the time we got to wednesday thursday i whenever i finish a shot i start prepping what the next shot is going to look like because yes the storyboard exists yes the um, background samples also exist which have to be chopped up and actually just polished up on photoshop and then brought into the flash files to actually to, to, to be animated i had these shots where I consider them money shots. It's a time I was taught in animation when I was still doing Tinker Tinker Tales back in the day. And money shots are basically the shots that have A, the most intensity to animate and B, they have a degree of difficulty that is not as easy as anything else to do like take for example a shot that has characters just debating between each other it's basically dialogue shots those ones are easy to do but if you have a character either doing a walk cycle or weaving through uh bushes and things like that you have to consider the bushes being animated and things like that so i i got to do one shot where a character was climbing up a tree and the way i thought about doing it initially i was really worried on how i'd choreograph the actual movements, and it took the holiday happening and coming back and when i was sat in the office today on that day of of which was wednesday and i laid it out it it made sense by the time friday hit i'd finished that piece of animation and whenever i finish a piece of animation before i leave the office there's this those 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 backlog ones that i've created which are part of the heavy shots that yes i may have prepped them because i had the perfect idea of how i wanted to look but i just revisited them in order to get something to do before the time is actually up. I like using every single moment required of the 9-to-5 to do the 9-to-5. It's uh, uh, it's basically my discipline. I try to make that uh, a point. Uh, I wanted to use this, topic, this episode to address a topic that is something that was highlighted based upon after the first week of January this year happened and the United States going through what the United States is going through currently which is the back and forth and of course The potential of war happening and the thing that actually makes me glad I held back to actually talk about this episode until today is that some of the stuff I was seeing online was disproved as not actual fact, it was just somebody online just putting information out to get away with it and by the time that actually hit it actually gave things more perspective in the sense of this when you're not really certain of the news source you're getting information from and that news source ends up becoming one thing that's blown up as compared to the actual facts that need to be paid attention to it's it's going to be difficult for people to weave their way through narrative that is being heard and the broken telephone that is the actual internet which you wished wouldn't be the broken telephone but everything adapts in a different way and as a result of that i was uh, a link was shared with me of um uh a former, uh, a former Iranian uh, citizen who makes his own material online. I think I'm, I mentioned him uh, here before in, in the episode where I was talking about Kobe Bryant's uh, uh, discipline as far as how he thinks and how he functions in the world. And uh, Bet David, I believe, is his name. And the thing is, when I think, about, I think about how he mentioned the whole relationship between the economies of the world and... Yeah, Patrick, but David, and the thing he mentioned in the in 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 his, in one of his recent segments was touching on how exactly the relationship with the United States and Iran has been for years and years thereafter. And then after that, I watched yet another clip that was unrelated to that, still touching on the on the information that is how the internet and how it behaves based upon how the relationship with the internet and. Uh, traditional law as, as we understand it. And by, by traditional law, it's actually made me want to make this episode because, let's be honest, when it comes to the perspective of how Africa is viewed, the internet is, is is predominantly a Western creation and the Western aspect of it is what actually leads the path of that which we try to do with ourselves here. And because they have the bigger stake and the higher controls based upon that, they get to dictate a lot of what we we see being perceived to their, to their audiences there, and for us, we end up reacting to the, the perception that they give us as we look out. And the thing that was interesting about I don't remember where I actually heard it, but it stuck with me so much so I had to make up an episode about it. And this was the, the, the fact that he put out, or she put out. The idea of borders was born from the industrial age taking shape Uh, wars being fought, and then when the wars fell, after the wars fell, countries wanted to become independent of that which was the predominant power. And those traditional borders were created based upon how the lines were cut in the industrial age and the expansion that existed at that time some of those countries have recently gained independence but some of them still have ties back to the mother country and that's why you have certain countries which still pay homage to say the Queen of England and certain countries that still are under the the chokehold or the yoke of France. Um, Other countries which are under the boot of the UK and the Commonwealth and granted of all these things I've described I think we probably came out okay because in Kenya we were ruled by the British and we probably got away with that rather okay but still it, there's no form of suppression or supremacy that would actually be taken seriously in my book because I think it's 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 insulting to even mention it but it, it is what it is but then when the internet came the idea of borders became more or less a fallacy in the sense of how information was passed because back in the day when you had a book and you had the book published, and even to this day, if you publish a book, it's stuck in the country or the borders that you control or you come from. And if you want to move it to another place, you have to talk to the person in that other place to see if they'll allow you to even move the book there. Now, when you look at that, take all that away and consider this. These are the individuals who tell us what we should take in as information of civilization and wit and how far we should perceive the greatness that we are going to have in the world and what kind of strength we're going to have in the world but then if I shoot an email to somebody in New York the person in New York is going to get it but if I scratch that? forget an email if I shoot a text via via whatsapp uh, telegram or Viber if I shoot a text to these people if I shoot a direct message to these people even if in it's an indirect in message I will talk to any person in any place on the globe at the touch of a button, and there's nothing that's going to stop that information from getting there. There's no border controls in that sense. And then you take that information and you look at how that information has been deciphered to the individual. It's basically me and that person talking. No one else is going to be involved in the debate, or even in the in the chat, or even in the romantic interaction that's going to happen thereafter, or or or, or otherwise. And that alone is something we need to be marvelled by. I mean, we're entering the second decade of the 2000s still the 21st century and in the 10 years if not the last 20 years of my life the things I've seen happen from post offices becoming obsolete to emails even becoming obsolete to text messages becoming predominant to video calls becoming a thing I mean there's more than three four apps that actually make it possible for you to video conversate with somebody anywhere in the world in real time no lag of any kind whatsoever it's a beautiful thing to watch it's a beautiful thing to witness and when you think about that and you think about how these borders that were created for us to stop from being each, we, around each other physically, won't these border controls that exist end up suffering even greater losses because they now can't control even? Because I'm sure a time is going to come when even the whole moving from place to place, which would require planes, would require. Um, uh, buses would require trains, it's probably going to be as easy as sending yourself as a message to a different place in the world as a hologram, if not a hologram, as a, as yourself, as a solid being yourself. You will actually be able to be in that side of the world. Or I think the halfway to that was the whole idea of virtual reality and how, even in Black Mirror, they kind of addressed the weird element of this, like just a, a toss up of you could have intimate physical relationships. in the the virtual world, you don't have to be in the same room, you just have to be in the same mental space as far as plugging in your subconscious into these particular devices. And if I was to bring it, if I was to pull myself away from the ledge of these whole curiosities that are how far the internet can take us, let's take it back to the whole idea of how people create rules and regulations of how we can actually get things done in my country for example there's this weird rule that they are trying to put together i don't know if they actually tried to pass this thing as an actual law they wanted people to register the groups that they create for them to interact with one another but the groups that wanted you to register the groups that actually exist online which is hilarious a friend of mine told me that the president of the republic of kenya actually pulled his account away from the from from twitter because he was tired of the actual personal attacks he was getting from his citizens so now the press corps of the, of, the, of the Republic of Kenya is the one that actually communicates with the public. And it's also something that I feel is attacking uh, a status quo that I, I hope to address in the next episode that I create. And it's the whole idea of how the Internet kind of completely shut down the idea of aristocracy. But the idea of aristocracy also kind of thrives because everybody still wants to be done with the click. Because the aristocracy still controls funds and still controls business. But the internet kind of controls the people. And you can't really, or, or if anything, the, the people control the internet. But then also, there's a whole other rabbit hole that comes with that, in that companies like, say for example, Google and Facebook, when they found out that the actual metadata and the data we actually provide by just our usual browsing history and usual browser behavior is actual content that could be used to the advantage of advertisers to actually try to see if they could influence individuals like myself to make purchases online and i will say this uh the most recent couple of purchases i've done be it clothes be it jewelry have all come born from the internet i can see something i like and work towards purchasing that particular thing and when we see this predominant existence of the influence being used to charge us into a certain direction maybe it's time for us to really start really thinking thinking about how heavy or how deep into this we actually have become, because borders are probably going to become obsolete very anytime soon, and especially for me, what these borders are serve me with is if I could finally be able to quantify how much success I can make on the digital platforms, even in, in making sales of the different products I create online. I would gladly jump into the deep end. But I also realized that in my country and in my continent, for example, we're still a very, very young country, figuring ourselves out. And, you know, if trying to figure ourselves out, the big problem then becomes, well, how am I supposed to catch up with the world if we're still having to figure out ourselves from scratch? Because another thing, another documentary I watched that was actually touching on to this whole idea of uh, internet and uh, the power that the, the in- online industry is taking over from is the war that is coming and i believe it's a frontline documentary that was done by pbs you should check it out if you get the chance and it discusses the whole battle of the internet that's going to take place between america and china and china kind of wins in the fact that they play the long game the the chinese game known as go weirdly enough and no pun intended the game of go was once had had, had a, a champion player who played against an internet algorithm or is it a program and the program did its analytics and competed with the actual human player and the the internet beat the guy like the program beat a human in that in that in that game and when what people took away from that was that you have to panic about the world where AI is taking us but then when I I looked at it in the sense of this it was the moment that sparked the whole idea of we have to now realize that when it comes to countries such as China it is important to realize they are miles ahead in the sense of world domination through information. By that I mean this: subcultures of 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 the East are already part of our everyday existence. I know people in anime clubs. I know people in in um, manga clubs. I know people in um, in and who actually speak the language. They read the books. they, they take in the literature. They're taking the culture. They even speak truth into their existences based upon those cultures so there's a whole subculture subgenre that exists and when you see people of those nativities actually having businesses in the country it makes complete sense the whole idea was when i watched this documentary at some point they're talking about how they're increasing the number of ways you could actually have facial recognition soft softwares across the globe to help know how you could conduct business take for example you could go to a takeaway spot in some parts in china I think it's like two, three shops they mentioned. It was order a singular shop. I I apologize if I get the stats wrong. But you could go to this shop, like a McDonald's for example, order food and by smiling at the screen that you're looking at, you've paid for the food. It's augmented to that extent. Forget the whole thing we have as where you could actually pay via text message of, of money transfers. They actually do it with expressions. You don't, you don't even need uh, to go to the supermarket with, with, with a phone to make your payments. You can literally just walk in, and as long as the first facial recognition software sees you and it knows it's you, the money is deducted from your bank account. And that's just a test run they're doing in China. Um, in, in the States, they're trying to spearhead the way where you could have vehicles which don't require people driving the cars. And to reach a level where if, if trucking companies could just have their vehicles move without actually truckers having to drive the trucks, then that completely changes or eliminates the value of man in the whole shipping industry. But then when I think about how in that entire documentary they're talking about how the borders are being destroyed as far as communication is concerned and now how the internet the, the, the digital age is taking over even the most physical of jobs like driving for example. Then of what value is man? And by that I mean this, the whole increase in how you could digitally improve say companies by having machines run companies so uh, run the, the heavy lifting in companies for example like building of cars building of toys packaging of, of, of food products and all these things even farming for example and even they've been working on making for robots to actually be able to build houses and all that if if it reaches a level where all this is possible then it means more people get laid off and don't people don't, more people don't get to work and if more people don't get to work it then means the unemployment rate increases and the middle class dwindles bit by bit. Now, if the middle class is dwindling bit by bit, it means the one percent is getting even higher and higher. There's a time I mentioned, I think, loosely, that the one percent has increased so vastly in, in their numbers, so drastically in their numbers across the globe, that the, dis- the disparities between the, 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 the mega rich and the rich, and even the pseudo-rich is completely different and it's but but it's borderless like great distances apart and when you reach a level where even we can't be around each other as far as our classes are concerned and the aspirational aspect is actually destroyed because there's no accessibility to certain pieces of work it greatly continues to fund the idea or strong strengthen the idea of man is consciously making himself obsolete to himself When I look at that and I think about how many times where, let's say, for example, the way I sketch, if a program is created that can read the the different strokes I put on the tablet I normally use for illustration, if if an algorithm or a program is created that could actually make uh, an imitation of the countless times I've, say, drawn on the tablet I have, and the countless drawings I've made, because I think it's safe to say I make thousands of drawings a day. Thousands of drawings a day. If not not a day, a week. Tens of thousands of drawings. And I'm counting even the individual frames of animation. Thousands of them. If a computer software or a computer program could study my pattern of illustrating, it would probably be able to mimic the way I draw. But since a computer can't think the way I think, then it can't Replicate what I can can create. Mm -hmm. However, a computer can take my voice Study the different variations in my voice and be able to turn that into a method To imitate me and have my voice be used for advertising for example and take that to become a whole other individual who's an online presence There's in the same documentary by frontline they touched on this whole way that they're using voice recognition software to actually see where your voice sounds in certain times. Like say if I had a cold, if my voice can actually show the echoing signs of a cold. If we take those echoing signs of a cold, it then means that the advertisers who are looking to give cold medicine to me, they start popping up their ads about colds. It dives into it's it's a it's a great deep dive of, of paranoia that comes with that. But of course, the, the big the big thing that started all this was we're asking ourselves about the whole idea of borders. When we think about how our region of East Africa, for example, communicates in regards to how power is perceived and how business is perceived, we're constantly asking ourselves to each other, will we be able to see the nonsense that is power and can we survive for each other as individuals in this constantly growing digital age because i love the digital age i love every advancement that comes with it i love all the pleasures that i get to actually have like say for example me sharing this podcast with you the digital age has already put a chokehold in the radio industry in the country because many of us don't have to listen to radio shows per se we could just communicate with one another directly on podcasts i'm having this conversation with you sharing all this information that i've had that has nothing to do with actual traditional television Maybe traditional television should adapt before we get to that next level, to have individuals like myself come into traditional uh, platforms of of communication and have the the whole country listen to guys like me and start becoming even more renditions of greater versions of what I am. Selfish way to end an episode, but that's the thoughts I've been having. for taking the time to listen to this one and i know that there's a lot that i've touched on that is really really vague but i will say this just try every chance you get go online and look for information that touches on the fast growing digital age say it with me be caesar or be nothing at all thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode and as always with the second week coming upon us oh no